to Judy Dench's Fish and Chips. Now completely free of mad fish disease. Fish? I don't know. I'm not really a vegetarian. Please order, or Miss Dench will be furious. She'll beat us, she will. Who are you talking to? No one, Mum, I swear. I'll mum you. Oh, 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 me. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode EABF22. It's convenient. Tuesday this week. Two, oh, yes. 22. 22 of the two. 22. Anyway, we're here to review the Regina monologues. I'm Dando. I'm Guy. Very nice to be here talking about all things British English. Are you good with discerning what is British, what is English, what is the UK? It always seems like there's a bit of confusion about what's what with that kind of thing. Yeah, there's, there's Scottish and there's British and it's, yeah. they're very, very different, the, the stereotypes. We should probably get uh, Nicola into this because she'd we say... We should have had Nicola in, yeah. yeah. You know, I'd say, hey, Nicola, you're British. Slap. I'm English. Or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, she's British. She is British. She's the best of British. She is, yes. So this episode, I threw it out in the Facebook page and I asked our patrons as well, UK listeners, is this an episode that you guys look back on fondly? What was the hype around like when it first came out? Because Bart vs. Australia is still beloved here in Australia. Not everybody loves it, but it's still beloved and spoken about here. This episode, it seems to be the overall consensus is that it had a lot of hype when it came out. But once people watched it, they were really disappointed. Because, And I agree, because I had this note as I was watching it. I said, this feels like a show that's using all the stereotypes that would only appeal to American viewers. Mm. Which I understand is an American show. But... What I think they did better in Bart versus Australia was that they, they sort of took piss out of our culture as opposed to certain stereotypes. For example, they're going to get David Beckham. And this, this is, to me, sort of... Posh and Bex they were going to get. Yes. And their decision was, we didn't get them because no one in America knew who they were. And it's like, yeah, but they were arguably some of the biggest stars yeah. of all, still, in, in the UK like, and the rest of the world. This episode really reflects that American bubble, where if it doesn't exist in the American bubble, then it mustn't be important. Well, that's not the case. I feel like if you're going to go to the trouble to do an episode based in England, do some things that you might not understand, learn about who they are, and go, okay, well, if these guys are a big deal, we should probably include them as well so we can relate, not just our American viewers, to the UK viewers. Because I think that's why people don't look back on it as fondly, because it's just like, oh, it's all the, the stereotypes, all the obvious cliches. They didn't make that extra effort, and everyone had the chance to. They just they chose not to, in fear of not appear, appealing to the American audience, which I think was an incorrect decision. Dan, I, th- I think you've raised a very good point there. We actually see it in the way that you pronounce the name of this episode. I mean, you're calling it the Regina Monologues. Now, I did a little bit of Googling beforehand. I looked up how to pronounce various things, because I wanted to get it just so. And you, there is a bit of a Regina-Regina split. Regina is apparently the capital of a province in Canada, Saskatchewan. So our American friends would tend to pronounce it. And, you know, anyone who's seen Mean Girls know that the main Mean Girl is named Regina George. So they go with the E in the middle. However, this is an English, well, an English-centric episode focuses around Her Royal Highness Queen Elizabeth II, a.k.a. Elizabeth Regina, which, as we all know, rhymes with coal miner. <laughs> so yeah, this, tell tell listeners what what is this a take on this title? Uh, this is actually a bit of a riff on a I guess you call it a play, a stage production called the Vagina 
monologues, mm-hmm. uh, written by a woman who used to be known as Eve Ensler and now just goes by V because I guess she you know understands the um, power of branding. But uh, yeah, and it's uh, basically a, a series of, as the title suggests, a series of monologues about women's swimsuit areas. <laughs> Sorry, that's no, that's me being very sort of timid. Uh, it's it's a it's a a, a lot about of monologues vaginas. about vaginas essentially, and you know how powerful they are, how women's relationships to their own uh, to their own body parts, etc. I must confess, mm-hmm. I've never seen a production of the vagina monologues, but I think if you were like trying to be a card carrying, sensitive, new age guy in the nineties, uh, you would say to a young lady, "You know, I'm a big fan of the vagina monologues." So you, you taught me a thing here. I'll make sure I say the vagina monologues going forward. Oh, well, that, yeah. That, sorry, man. That's not me going having a go at your pronunciation. But, oh no, uh, no, no. That's just that's how I've always read the word. <laughs> but yeah, when we're referring to uh, queens, when we're referring to, referring to her royal highness, yes, it is Regina. Elizabeth okay. Regina. So, as I was saying, I just feel like they really just busted out every cliche possible. They didn't really try and encapsulate the true British vibe. And that seems to be why a lot of people don't re- reflect upon it very fondly. And I'm watching it just going, see, up as Australia, when they go to Japan, they had that story. There, was a, there were bits where it was just sort of like going here and visiting this landmark and blah, blah, blah. But they had that story that kept the episode mm. going. I know the story here is meant to be Homer is on trial for yeah. ramming the, the the queen but it's like that's not a, that's not the kind of story that was like in the Bart versus show it wasn't the overall arc it was just a bunch of shit happened and then he hit the queen yeah so the whole the whole middle act was just hey look it's it's the prime minister hey look it's it's this person hey look it's that person I'm yeah. like, oh, it's basically homer simpson's nothing. european vacation as opposed to national lampoons yeah you know, european there was just, vacation. There was no there was no real story it was just a bunch of shit that happened and then <laughs> at the end he uh he rear-ended the queen in not a good way either. That so is yeah, so I don't know. I just, this episode left me a little bit disappointed. Safe to say. What about yourself? Yeah, look, I can't say I was overwhelmed, but nor was I that underwhelmed. I just got to say I was just straight whelmed by this one. Uh, look, I appreciated the celebrity cameos and celebrity guest appearances, mm. some more than others. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it just felt a bit sort of higgledy piggledy. Uh, put to, as I've yeah. said in the past about certain episodes put together out of various parts that were lying around and the various phone numbers of celebrities that they were able to access. What Nicola said, she goes, they've gone to England and she said, there's no chance you'd ever walk to the street and just see Sir Ian McKellen and then just see JK Rowling. Just, it's just so convenient that all these guest stars were just, oh, hey, look, it's that person on the street. Oh, hey, look, it's that famous person on the street. It's like, and it's oh. funny you mentioned the two guest stars who literally phoned it in. Um, I believe both uh, JK and Sir Ian uh, contributed the guest spots by phone. Yeah. And the big guest star, of course, was the only head of parliament to ever appear on The Simpsons, still to this day, is Tony Blair. We've had people <laughs> write in saying, we want you to talk about all the anti-Blair. We're not going to do any of the political stuff. I want to talk about how he only would appear on the show if he was able to promote tourism in the UK. Yes. I couldn't actually remember anything about this episode except for the roundabout bit. That seemed, Maybe it's because it was on the commercial at the time. I'm not too sure. I couldn't remember it all too much. When I saw his appearance, that left me underwhelmed. I was like, oh, really? All the hoopla around it and... That's all it was? It really was, yeah. I mean, for a show that, sorry to bring it up again, folks, but it is one of my favourite bits, that got, you know, the most powerful media magnate in the world and the man who signs your checks, uh, Rupert Murdoch, to call himself a billionaire tyrant on the air and for posterity, you know, you think you could persuade Tony Blair to sort of take the mickey out of himself just a tiny bit, which he didn't really do at all. I mean, you're right. He, wa- he was very 
come to England, check out uh, the White Cliffs of Dover and such and such and Stratford-upon-Avon. I know Tony Blair's, maybe not his platform, but one of his big things when he was in power was very much promoting the idea of cool Britannia. Britain's back on the world stage, baby. Why he talked like Austin Powers, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I guess it's very much in character and in keeping with Tony Blair that he's like, well, I'm going to use this opportunity on you know one of the most popular television shows in the world to say, come to England and check out our lovely bits and pieces. But it would have been nice to sprinkle a little bit of just, you know, Mickey taking or piss taking or something like that with yeah. Mr. Blair. It just epitomises to me, we've entered the era here where it was, who can we get on as a guest star, whether it makes any sense for the story or not? The, the synergy era. <laughs> yeah, he added nothing to the story. It was purely a marketing device. Yeah. Hey, look, we've got Tony Blair. Watch this episode. And honestly, it could have been a very good Tony Blair impersonator for all we know. Yeah. And for me, a guest appearance shouldn't... If you cut this out of the episode, you wouldn't even know. It wouldn't impact the episode. No. That's not a good guest appearance. A guest appearance should be they are a part of the story. They're the best ones. Just to say that you had Tony Blair, I know it's a good get, but 20 years later, a week later, did anyone really care? I'd forgotten that he was in it entirely. Well, a lot of people actually have I've read were angry that he was doing it. Like he should be focused on more things because he just uh, had the the war on Iraq at the time, and they say him appearing on a, on a kids show, the the Simpsons, was him being distracted. I was like, I get exactly why he was trying to do it. I completely understand trying yeah. to appeal to the youth and you know Britain's back, as he said. Oh, oh what, what was he? Like? Britain's back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, baby. Yeah, but I just thought, oh, if you're going to get him, surely. Give them something because it, uh, if I if this was all it was going to be, I'd just go. Well, why are we bothering? Because we just look silly. Yeah. Well, apparently, I did a bit of a cursory glance at the Wikipedia yeah. page for the Regina monologues, and apparently, it was tough to sort of nail down. It took like that, eight months. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then it's like Tony's got a fifteen-minute window. Get your recording gear over to Ten Downing Street or something along those lines. I may be mistaken, but it was it really was close to something like that. So you said that you didn't actually mind the episode overall. I just thought it was just kind of there. Um, I, I guess I went in this into this one with a higher expectations than normal because it was Simpsons going somewhere. I thought it might be something different. That's uh, always just, fun. Yeah, yes. yeah. And of course, it's got the name you can trust on the writing credit. Our yeah. pal, Mr. Schwartzwelder. And I could see some Schwartzwelder touches all throughout those little uh, bits and pieces that make you go, oh, yeah, <laughs> my man, J.W., uh, sorry, J, JW, JS. Yeah. But the, the, the J, JSW, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just think that, ah, Swartzwelder, you didn't really go out in a high note. <laughs> I just, I think seeing Swartzwelder as the writer, I thought this is going to be at least entertaining if he's taking the Simpsons to England. And it came across like there was a script there and then they had the chance to get all these guest stars and they fucked up his script by just adding in all these guest stars. Could that's, well be. That's how I think it went down anyway. Could well be the case. Hey, my favourite. So what were your favourite moments from the episode? Well, one of those aforementioned Schwarzwelder bits of paraphernalia. I, I liked Burns at the very start. I, I'm a big fan of slang terms for money. I love it. Cashola. Um, yeah, C-note I think is fantastic. I mean, it makes no sense in Australia. Do- dosh. We say dosh, don't we? Bread. <laughs> yeah, we say bread, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, or, or even lobsters and pineapples that we have here in, in Australia. Yeah. But I, I did very much like when they came across the, the peanut vendor, 
and Burns uh, asking Smith, spot me a federal. <laughs> Which is, yeah, it's not really much of a slang term. I mean, I went to that uh, great oracle of, uh, of slang, Urban Dictionary, and they did mention it briefly, but it's not, not as big as as other terms, but you know, it's short for Federal Reserve note. So yeah, yeah spot me a federal, which I'll be doing to you a bit later, Dan. I was like, mm, yeah, can you spot me a federal? <laughs> I enjoyed Grandpa. So I didn't like Grandpa in this episode overall. I thought he was a bit of a shit bag, right? But <laughs> I liked when they, the, the bait and switch of he, he convinced this woman that he was going out the following morning being shipped out just so he could sleep with her. Little did I know I was getting shipped out the following day. <laughs> I was like, I like that reveal, but Grandpa was a real shitbag in this. Oh, I'm giving the salute. Thank you for your service to, you know, lest we forget all that kind of business. But I'm guessing that there are a fair few dudes in uniform who took advantage oh, yes. of, of that uniform. <laughs> so, I may not come back. <laughs> give me something to remember you by. But you know what I mean by when I say give me something. Yeah, so... Again, lest we forget. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing it's not our... It, it, Grandpa represents a, a, a fair few of our enlisted men <laughs> I at least, in doing so. I at least also liked the um, the newspaper headlines, but I liked the sun. Yankee Doodle Randy, topless Homer on page three. <laughs> that was good. And it, was it the sun? Did, did, the sun did the, that one, yeah. Yeah, so that, and that's a Murdoch paper, I believe. Is it? Okay. Movie. I believe so. So yeah, nice taking the but piss there. British tabloids um, are known for just being ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, for, I can't remember when they stopped having the page three girl, and for young listeners and more. Tasteful I don't even know what that is. The page three girl in some newspapers, you would open up the you know open the front page, and on page yeah. three would be a young woman with her shirt off. Get out! Really? Yeah. No. And they way. had they had this in in English newspapers tabloids like the Sun. Um, until the 90s, I'm pretty sure. I'm Googling page three. Yeah, page three of page... It was a British newspaper tradition of publishing a large image of a topless female glamour model on the third page of mainstream red-top tabloids. Where yeah. we? The we, sun- we had it in Australia with a newspaper called The Truth. Really? So, yeah, it says yeah. The Sun introduced a feature publishing its first topless page three image in 1970. Goodness gracious me. Yeah. Does it say there when they ended? Because I'm pretty sure it was in the 90s. It uh, may have even been the 2000s. End of the feature. Let's scroll down here. In February 2013. What? Rumor suggested on Twitter that the sun could transition to a halfway house featuring glamour photographs without showing nudity. So apparently it's all, all, happening all the way up to 2013. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. I, I, I've never heard that in my life. So that actually makes the joke a lot funnier now. <laughs> uh, it's hard to follow on that. But something else that I enjoyed about this episode... Listeners know I'm a big fan of the squeaky voice team. It you was are, fun to yeah. hear the squeaky voice team with an English accent. Mm, yeah, what was I was the um, Judy Dench's James, fish and chips. Judy Dench's fish and chips, yeah. Um, and I like J.K. Rowling's appearance as well. I know that J.K. is kind of a little persona non grata among certain sections of the community these days. Uh, I, I liked her appearance very much just basically for the way she ended out with, what happens at the end of the Harry Potter series? He marries you. That's what you want to hear, right? It sure is. <laughs> so I, I that think, just strikes me as nailing Harry Potter fans. Exactly. But I had there, to me, that would be a bigger get to the audience of The Simpsons than Tony Blair. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because Harry Potter was fucking huge in 2003. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the movies had just started to come yeah. out. I think we were probably in the probably in the Chamber of Secrets phase at that stage, and I don't know how many of the books had come out by were that they, Were they one every year, or were they every two years? Every two or few years, I think. 
let's Google Harry Potter. Harry Potter films. First one was two thousand and one. I know that for a fact. The first film was yeah. First film. The, the, the second one was Chamber of Secrets two thousand and two. Then two thousand and four for Prisoner of Azkaban. Two thousand and five for Goblet of Fire. Oh, okay. Uh, 2007, Order of the Phoenix, and 2009 for Half-Blood Prince. And then there was, yes, yeah, so, so, yeah, so it was 2001, 2002. So the, it was in the era between oh, yeah. the second and third film. Early 2000s, though, yes, the world just had Potter mania. It still does. I mean, it's still, it's a massive. Mm. But yeah, it, it was, I, I, to me, I watched that and went, that's a good get, J.K. Rowling. It was. Uh, if, I, if I was The Simpsons, I would have, obviously I'm not sure whether they were able to, I would have tried to incorporate her into the story. I... I <laughs> And we say that, I guess there's no one bigger in England than the Queen. But the Queen wasn't the Queen in this. And I know no. our Prime Minister wasn't really our Prime Minister the way he behaved in the Butt vs. Australia. But I'm watching it going, we've done this. We've done a Simpsons person, a Simpsons character does something against the Queen or the Prime Minister. Can we get away from that? I know, but I think, the, I think they thought they did pretty well. And by some measure, I think they did do pretty well getting the Prime Minister... Gandalf slash Magneto, yeah. um, and the author of the biggest uh, Harry know, Potter, bestsellers yeah. in in recent history. And don't forget Joe Millionaire. <laughs> and of course, Joe. That was the actual Joe Millionaire, yeah. Evan Marriott. Yep, as well. And did you know who voiced uh, Edwina? I do know it was uh, Jane Lee. Jane Lee from Frasier. Yeah, from Frasier. Who did she play? Was it? I want to say Roz. No, 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 no. She was the the Daphne. N- yeah, yeah, Daphne. She was the um the love interest of Niles. Yeah, but she also played the Virgin on uh, Seinfeld. Will we be talking about Seinfeld on another show at some stage? Do you think? On another show, I'm not sure. Is there a podcast out there where they talk about Seinfeld? It'd be great if there was a show where you had two, you know, cool dudes talking Seinfeld. Exactly right. This, this, it's it's like it would be a show where they would discuss everything they know about a show about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> if such a show existed on the internet, my God, I'd throw money at it. If, if you guys are fans of Seinfeld, <laughs> check out Talking Seinfeld. It's available wherever you find your podcasts, but you do get early access by being a patron. We're currently in season three of Talking Seinfeld. We just did we the- recorded an episode just the other day. Yeah, and it's already online. It's the pen, and by golly, was that fun. <laughs> it was indeed. We had a good time recording it. You will have a good time listening to it. That's the Davis Guarantee. Not a guarantee. All right, it's now time for some trivia. But before we do that, Mr. Davis, we need to let you guys know that this podcast is brought to you by our incredible $20 patrons, starting with Jonathan Rossi, Andrew Zer. Now, I've got to give a special shout-out to Andrew Zer because he has been helping me out immensely behind the scenes. He has been sending me all the audio of the Futurama, Friends, Seinfeld, Simpsons episodes because my computer hit the it, it shit itself basically. I, I lost all my files, so he's been sending me all these Dropbox files with all the audio in H like, like stereo sounds crisp and clear. So thank you, Andrew Zer, for helping me out behind the scenes. Andrew and Zer, helping get this show over the line. Thank you so much, sir. You're an absolute champion. Steamed ham champion Dylan Hackett, as well as another twenty dollars patron, Zach Pruitt, who hosts a community podcast called "You Can't Disappoint a Podcast." If you like the show Community, check that out. Christopher Darby, all the way over in England, our What Culture Man, Timothy Burleson, uh, jo- Joel Yoland, Jordan Mongman Ritchie, who I believe is back in the country. So I hope you're doing well, Jordan. Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Jenna Rice, Reese Roberts, who has suggested that we do a Golden Girls episode at some point. Hmm. We may consider it. I do like the Golden Girls. Uh, Adam Sanderson, Matt Thompson, George McMenamin. I you said Adam Sandler. <laughs> I wish. Keith, 
Keith Nedham, Resident Baker, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, David Stewart, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Groundskeeper Noah, and Declan Phoenix. Thank you so much, guys. Also, shout-outs to our new patrons this week, Mr. Davis. Well, first of all, legends, each and every one of those people. Exactly right. Thank you yes. so much for uh, keeping the uh, keep the lights on. Well, you guys literally the door. Keep, the, you keep, the, you keep the lights on, guys. Thank you so much for your ongoing support, particularly through a pandemic. We love you all. We need those because I'm scared of the dark. <laughs> so also shout-outs to Olivia Fantas, Neil Parks, Jack McFadden, Bailey Cashin, Hugh Jass, and Deck Neil. <laughs> the one and only Hugh Jass has now become a patron for Finger Discount. But How's that? Forget, don't forget, guys, if you do want to get early access to all the podcasts we do here, Four Finger Discount, Talking Seinfeld, Going Down to South Park, and uh, the one about friends, you're just going to be a Four Finger Discount patron where you also get access to Tales of Futurama, where the first two episodes are now online to listen to. I hope you enjoy that. Everyone's been saying that they've been enjoying going back and revisiting Futurama once again, hearing Guy Davis's perspective. But not only that, you also get access to bonus Simpsons reviews where we go back to the classic era. You get movie reviews. We've done Happy Gilmore this month. You also get uh, access to the Four Finger Discount Facebook group where once you're in, you're in. We do not kick anybody out. So if you sign up to, to Patreon, even if it's just for one month, you get access to the group and you stay there forever to banter with Guy and myself, as well as monthly Zoom chats, prize draws, and much, much more. That is by becoming a member of the Four Finger Discount family at patreon.com slash discount. Your support is much appreciated. But, Mr. Davis, it is now time for some trivia. Let's go. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, you kick off first, Mr. Davis. What do you got for me? Okay. The Hockey Dad brawl is between who? Mr. Oh, I know this because it... Mr. Shadowski mm-hmm. and Mr. O'Bannon because I've got my notes. I remember I wrote that uh, hey, Arnold fans will be well aware that Mr. Shadowski looks like Bob Pataki, the father of Helga on, on Hey Arnold. I watched that going, is that Bob Pataki? And the Simpsons link for, for Hey Arnold is that Dan Castellaneta, or Netta, Nada? Castellaneta. Castellaneta, yes, Castellaneta. That's what Fat Tony said, didn't he? Uh, he is the voice of Grandpa, Arnold's Grandpa on Hey Arnold. Everything is connected. It sure is in the great circle of comedic television. Uh, my first question is, what gate did they arrive at? <laughs> okay, I've got to cross that one off. Gate 22. Correct. Your next one. <laughs> well, you'll probably get this then. Okay. Uh, at, at, which, at which gate was the Dutch couple arriving? The Dutch couple? Yes, yeah, the, the Tony Blair oh. was going great. Gate 6? Gate 23. 23, the next one, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be too obvious, but anyway. My next question is, what were the locations on the bus when they were doing a bus tour? They were on a double-decker bus? Oh, yeah. And there was three locations on the front. Well, I did not pay attention to that at all, so you'd better mm. tell me. It was a real freeze-framer. It was South Kensington, Knightbridge, and Hyde Park. Oh, okay then. Uh, my next question for you. Uh, what has better crap than uh, the Bart Museum? Ooh, okay. Let me think about this. It's better a crap. place in a city. <laughs> You've really <laughs> narrowed that one down. That's true. <laughs> Can you tell me what city? Phoenix. Oh, the Elvis Museum? No. No, what is it? It's the Hard Rock Cafe in Phoenix. Hard Rock Cafe, of fucking course it is. Have you ever been to a Hard Rock Cafe? We used to have one in Melbourne, and yeah, I believe okay. I went there for lunch maybe once or twice and thought, this is far too much money for a, a subpar burger. Oh, no, for a perfectly okay burger. It's one of those places where you go for the novelty and you never go back. True. And the novelty's not even that uh, novel. 
Nah. We went to one on Hollywood Strip, and we went to a Hard Rock Cafe. That was the first one we went to. I remember being so excited. The Hard Rock Cafe, I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting there going, oh, man. $15 for chicken tenders? Oh, man. (laughs) And then we went to Universal Studios, and they have a strip of shops out the front. I remember the the bar we wanted to go to didn't open until like two, so it was like... I guess we're going to go to the Hard Rock Cafe. So. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> My final question is, mm-hmm. name me at least three of the s- sweets that appear on screen during the binge montage. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, I was distracted by the colours. I didn't actually see any of the words. Okay, we've got Spoto Choc Caramel mm. Pasties. Oh, Oh, what, what, what are they saying? America? Ca- caramel? Pasties? Caramel pasties? But I guess it's pasties, yeah. We say pasties, pasties, yeah. Pasties caramel. makes sense. Yes, and for some reason our American friends refuse to um, pronounce the middle A in caramel. Mm. Call it caramel. We got, why, do you, why, do you, why do you do that, Americans? Stop doing it. We've got bitter sweeties, O. Ooh. Henry 8, uh, chocolate, <laughs> chocolate frog, and then there's just a random bag of something. I'm not sure what it okay. is. Yeah. I like O. Henry the 8th. That's good because I mean, yeah. you've got the O. Henry bar in the, in the US and uh, they're putting an English twist on it. Good mm. for them. All right, so that is trivia. Well, or do you have one more? i got one more question. Oh, one more for Regina. i got one got? more. Mm. Okay. Um, the Queen was out buying what when she was re-rendered by Homer? Light bulbs? Light bulbs. There we go. <laughs> I remember that being in the ad. The, Dad, you just re-rendered the Queen. I thought they just really wanted to have that as a marketing point. Very much so. Who voiced the Queen? It do sounded know? like probably either Pamela Hayden or Tress McNeil. Let's have a look. Mm. Okay. Queen Simpsons. Let's have a look. She was voiced by Tress McNeil. <gasps> I had a feeling it was going to be Tress. All right, guys. We'll be right back after this short break with our in-depth review of the Regina monologues. Rather. Good news, everyone. Everyone's favorite podcast from the year 3000 has returned. Yes, it is Tales of Futurama. Each week, we'll be going back and revisiting every episode of the series, discussing the themes gags, and all the Easter eggs you may not have seen the first time around. It's Tales of Futurama, available now exclusively at patreon.com slash discount. Are you tired of listening to people talk about something and would just rather hear two losers talk about nothing? Well, look no further than Talking Seinfeld, our podcast discussing every episode of the number one show of the 90s. Talking Seinfeld is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She is literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of the Regina Monologues was November 23, 2003. It was directed by Mark Kirkland, written by John Swartzwelder, his final episode for The Simpsons. Uh, the couch gag, there was no chalk gag, couch gag was that the basically the living room was like a Play-Doh centre and yes. the, the Simpsons come out as Play-Doh characters. All right, so the episode kicks off with Burns and Smithers out walking, just going for a walk, and he wants to buy a watch, Mr. Davis? I want to say a bag of peanuts, but he, he put some crackle antiquated... Crackle, yes, he put some antiquated nonsense term on it. 
Money is for the poor. Why don't you use your ATM card? Ah, uh, yes. The automated teller machine Eola Trollomaton. Uh, oh, Smithers, guide me in. My pleasure, sir. Smithers, what's my password? It's your age, sir. Excellent. Let's see. What's the smallest amount of money I can think of? A thousand dollars. However, the wind unfortunately blows the thousand dollar bill away. Is a thousand dollar bill a thing in America? Is that real? Not anymore, apparently. But it was. They used, they used to have them. Wow, we. Okay. That's a lot of money to be carrying around your fucking wallet in one note. Indeed. Indeed. Which kind of rubbed me a bit the wrong way that people are being so sort of... Well, Bart is being... Well, I'm skipping ahead here. He's being so flippant with it. You know, he's sort of showing it around. I'm like, dude, I would keep that in my pocket and never show it to anybody. I would never even spend it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, they did have a $1,000 bill. It bore the mark of one Grover Cleveland. Oh, so Grover Cleveland. So this actually was... Maybe it must have still been a thing in 2003 then because Grover was on this one. Um, it could well be the case. I'm, I'm not sure when they discontinued it, but... Uh, Let's have a look, shall we? Why not? Oh, Grover was an interesting chap, apparently. Very, a good president, if a bit underrated. Um, just generally regarded as a solid dude. He was the 22nd and 24th president of the United States, which means that, um, I don't know who was 23rd, but that guy obviously sucked. And they're like, we want Grover. And got Grover back. And they get the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm they got, Grover. They, instead, they got <laughs> Elmo. <laughs> Elmo wants to be president. It yeah. says here, like its smaller cousin, the $500 bill, the $1,000 bill was discontinued in 1969. There you go. Nice. The bank still had one in 2003? I don't know. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, but a little bit more about Grover Cleveland. Uh, he is regarded by historians to have been a successful leader, praised for honesty, integrity, adherence to morals, uh, and effective leadership. So, yeah. Sounds like a good leader. Then. <laughs> Sounds like a good uh, a good guy you want to have as president. There's a reason he was on the $1,000 bill. Let's not say anything about current presidents or anything like that. <laughs> Bart and Milhouse are playing hockey dad. This looks like a game that I'd totally be about when I was a kid. <laughs> dad, it's only assault. Don't make it murder. <laughs> you are a big man. A big man. <laughs> I'm wondering when the episode of South Park with Randy Marsh, mm. where he kept... Picking fights. I'm wondering when that was. I think it was much later down the line, maybe like five or six years down the line. But that's one of my favourite episodes of South Park. It's one I'm looking forward to doing when we get Speaking to that. Speaking of South Park. <laughs> yeah, when I say an episode of South Park, well, <laughs> who would be going down to South Park? Uh, you guys know the drill. It's available wherever you find your podcasts. Where, where you find good podcasts. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to that. Ooh. I thought this is America. You really want this is America, don't you? I, I just can't <laughs> wait to do that. I'm sorry. Your listeners are just going to be like, God, will he shut up? Will he stop doing that? <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> so the money lands in Milhouse's hair. Bart, Bart tells him it's a ladybug so that he can take it out without Milhouse knowing. He gets all scared. Marge, however, says that you need to put flyers out. You can't keep this money. It belongs to somebody. So they put out a flyer on the top of a telephone pole and... Of course, we get another Sideshow Mel moment. At least he wasn't mm -hmm. overbearing here. Like, what does that sign say? Or whatever. <laughs> and Otto knocks it down with his bus. You know the drill. Land on my back fat. <laughs> then everyone is auditioning, I guess you could say, for the money. Just trying to convince the family that it belongs to them. Mo doesn't do a very good job, though, does he? He certainly does not. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe the bill? Describe? Sure, of course. Whose picture's on it? 
Uh, it would have to be somebody famous. I'm gonna say Hitler. Next. Um, does the bill have bank teller blood on it? No, it doesn't. I'm sorry I wasted your time. Bart is told, you know, we've gone through everybody now, so it now belongs to you, and he imagines what he's going to do with the money. I love one of those ridiculous things. Like, I love Homer's, what are we going to do, Homer? And he dreams them under the sea. That's right. <laughs> We're not going to be under the sea. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I, did, I did like that uh, That uh, Homer and Bart are clearly on the same wavelength. Yeah. Because I don't think Bart is actually sort of saying this out loud, but, you know, Homer is at that uh, Space Age moon party in his mind as well. Lisa then says they should buy something for Marge. We never buy anything for Marge. She never buys anything for herself. Just That's just a mum to a T. They never they never do anything for themselves. Mm. It's always about the family or friends so, or whatever. Always about giving. Yeah, they suggest a vacation, but, you know, Marge says, we, we could, but Homer always ruins them. And she said, don't, don't bother wasting your money on me. Oh, I thought that's a really sad line, but it's it really fit the Marge character, and Bart really is not really taking much notice. Like, yeah, great lady, whatever. He's not really thinking too hard about looking after Marge and spending the money on her. He's then showing the bill off to his friends at school. Stop showing that money around, Bart. I know. That's like, it reminds me of that time our, ne- our old next door neighbor used to have a Ferrari, right? And he just had a oh. Ferrari in the garage. He just had the garage door up one day. He's just washing it in the, on the driveway. I'm like, that's not a good thing to be doing, mate, around here. Like, showing up that you got a fucking Ferrari. And then he's like, I'll be all right. Puts it in the garage. And like two weeks later, we're at the front chatting. This kid from around the corner comes around and goes, are you the guy with the Ferrari in the garage? And I'm like, woo, woo, woo. We need to get this car out of here fucking now. <laughs> so to say that car was not in the garage by the end of the day. Oh, dear. Um, it wasn't stolen. He just moved it because yes. he knew it was. If he didn't steal it or he didn't move it, it was, was going to be stolen. stolen or stripped for parts. <laughs> if you had the chance to get a Ferrari, would you strip it for parts or just take the car? Mm, that's a good well, question. Is there more money to be made in a complete car or a car in parts? I don't know this. It's true. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember back to the early Fast and the Furious movies where they actually stole cars and shit. <laughs> um, Keep it in the family. <laughs> the movies. Have you, have you seen that ad with with Vin Diesel? No. It's the the, the only commercial I've ever seen with Vin Diesel is him promoting Street Sharks before he was Vin Diesel. <laughs> well, he's doing this, uh, you know, people weren't going to the cinemas because of the pandemic and all that. And I think there was something where it's like, well, we've got to, you know, get people back. Who's going to sort of persuade people to go back to the movies? And I think it was about the time Fast, Fast 9 was coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Vin's like, there's one place we all go to feel like we're together, the movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Vin. <laughs> I, I trust you. <laughs> but he's just doing. It. I mean, God, I bl- God bless that man. His, his voice is just fantastic. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you know one movie I've never seen with Vin Diesel is Pitch Black. <gasps> oh, dude, they're fantastic. You watch all of. I've heard all of those Riddick movies are fantastic. Yeah, because it's, it's Pitch Black then Chronicles of Riddick, right? Or is it the other way around? There's Pitch Black, the Chronicles of Riddick, and then Riddick. It's the worst titling since Rambo. <laughs> Rambo's the most confusing thing ever. It really is. We've done this before, but I mean, let's go through this. First Blood, yeah. Rambo First Blood Part 2, Rambo 3, Rambo, <laughs> Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> and and just Rambo is also known as John Rambo. Okay, well, so, like, it's similar with Mad Max, wasn't it? It was international audiences called it something different. Well, they called it the Road Warrior. Mad yeah, Max we had too. Mad Max. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Anyway, enough about Rambo and Mad Max and Vin enough Diesel. About, enough about Vin Diesel. <laughs> how did we get on to Vin Diesel? Uh, we were talking about showing off bills at school. Um, I have no idea. 
don't know. I haven't got that. Ferraris. Ferraris, of course. Yes, he's showing off the showing off something fancy. But he yes. realizes here they can charge people to see the, the the bill, and he creates the Museum of Modern Bart, charging five dollars entry. Plus, they get all the other stuff like the slingshot, the skateboard, the two hundredth episode shirt, and the red hat. Because hey, you're charging money. You're gonna you're gonna give them something. Give them the hits. <laughs> Then we have a little sort of uh, side little display there called the Birth of Lisa, which was kind of mean. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. I love the I love the uh, the subhead a Simpson too many. <laughs> I was like, wow, we. <laughs> he but then asks, "What do you get by being a friend of Bard?" Very similar to what when people ask, "What do I get for being a patron?" <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> you get a subscription to Bart Forum magazine. Bart says, "Eat my shorts on your answering machine," which is kind of dated now, but you know, back in the day, would have been cool. I want that, that's like because people used to do that. They yeah, they see a celebrity and say, "Hey, leave, leave, do a message for my mm. for my for my answering machine or whatever." Yeah, and it's like that's like the modern version, of like a cameo or a selfie, even yeah, yeah, selfie, of course, selfie as well, yeah. But uh, Mo then asked for a crank call from Bart, which I thought was a nice touch. <laughs> I love to laugh. <laughs> Mister Burns then arrives and he says that Bill is his. Bart says, "Prove it, Boney Curtis." Who is Boney Curtis, or what is that a reference to? Ah, uh, Boney Curtis is a reference to uh, mid twentieth century movie star Tony Curtis. Oh, okay. Uh, star of Some Like It Hot, The Sweet Smell of Success, and the father of Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> The bruise on his chest is a match with the code on the bill, so it's con- it's confirmed that it is Mister Burns's bill. All everyone right, kiss, then leaves. Kiss that thousand uh, dollar bill goodbye, but yes, so it's gone, and everyone leaves. Um, but he took in over three thousand dollars as a result of people paying to see the bill. I did like that. I mean, I like yeah. that uh, he was he showed a little bit of industrious and savvy uh, industriousness and savvy side like, hustle for sure. Mm. He wants to he wanted to buy a used Toyota. Lisa says no, Marge. Let's buy her a vacation. Let's buy mom a vacation. She, she deserves it. Homer says, well, let's not go to Brazil because they've still got that monkey problem. Now, I don't know whether that's meant to be a dig at Brazil because I know Brazil were really angry mm. after that episode came out because it reflected poorly on Brazil because people thought that Brazil, Brazil had a monkey problem because of the episode. Oh. So I think maybe this was just them just going, yeah, we don't care what you say. We're <laughs> going to keep saying there's monkeys in Brazil. Grandpa suggests England. I want to go to England. How come? Back in 1944, I was stationed over there, and I met a beautiful girl. Edwina, my slowly opening flower, I'm shipping out in the morning. Won't you make this night memorable? Anything for you, my brave Yank. Oh, I say. Ooh, nice. Little did I know, I really was shipping out in the morning. Forget you, Edwina. But I did. Until just now. Grandpa, that's so romantic. We gotta go to England. That sounds great. But only if your father promises to behave. Marge, I'll be on my best behavior. You have my word as a gentleman and a lady. Now, let's see. Which rifle should I bring? So Homer here, I didn't get the whole, you know, he, Marge agrees only if Homer behaves himself and he says he will. Then he looks through his rifles. I was like, what the hell? I'm like, that felt well, like a SWAT spot again because he loves guns, but I'm like, that yeah, just felt but, uh, odd. I think one of the main things about this episode is it's not so much about, oh, England, it's strange and it's got different customs, although it does have that. I think they were playing up just as much. I don't know if it's a traditional rivalry between uh, America and England, but there are certainly points of difference. And of course... America became America after 
a revolutionary war with the English. So there's that there's that whole thing. But I think I think the episode just as much uh, in talking about England was also talking about stereotypes of America and American yeah. people and American culture. And so, guns uh, is a big part of that. A lot of it was Americans not understanding the English culture. There is that absolutely. The family arrive in England and there's like Mary Poppins nannies flying around <laughs> everywhere. Nice little visual gag. Tony Blair greets them at the gate to show off 21st century Britain. Which Suggest- gate number was that, Dando? It was gate 23? <laughs> 22. Hello. Welcome to the United Kingdom. Prime Minister Tony Blair? Why are you greeting lowlifes like us at the airport? Because I want to encourage all the world to come see the beauty of 21st century Britain. Would an American dollar encourage you to leave us alone? No, but thank you. Tony, I mean, Mr. Prime Minister, what should we see first? There's so much to see here. Parliament, Stratford-on-Avon, the White Cliffs of Dover. Oh, and you Americans love castles. There's a huge one in Edinburgh, the city where I was born. The place I was born is now a gator farm. Smashing. Maybe you could give us a personal tour of your country. I'd love to, but I'm late for an appointment. I'm greeting a lovely Dutch couple at Gate 23. Cheerio. Wow, I can't believe we met Mr. Bean. So it'd be good if Blair would sort of took the piss out of himself in that way. But, you know, we'll settle for, for Homer. Uh, every cab has a butler, but no, it's just they've jumped in. So they portrayed a lot of Britons to be like, oh, yes, Jeeves, and yeah, I talked about this, and very proper, and blah, blah, blah. blah. Well, it, yeah, of- I mean, we get to it a little bit later on. Uh, but I think the two times you see sort of English passion, the first time as you see Edwina going, you know, she and Abus are coming to the throes of passion. Ooh, yes, quiet. <laughs> Later on when you've got the two bowler-hat dudes, uh, what was his name, Lord Daftwager or whatever, and his pal giving in to their longings are like, oh, yes, rather. <laughs> which, which I must admit I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's a typical early 2000s Simpsons gay panic joke, but also not completely unfunny. Um, also, just a brief rewind, uh, Abe's long-lost uh, inamorata, Edwina, also my sister's name. It is too, that's right. Shout out to Edwina. Shout out to Ed. One thing I must say, though, so they went to England to try and help Grandpa find Edwina. And then none of the episodes about that. No. <laughs> it's not till like the last 30 seconds that they go back to that plot point. Like that's the, the, the sole reason they went to England. And it's not like they got caught up in some other story Yeah, before that happens. It was just, it's just a bunch of English stuff that happens. Yeah. I reckon Swatswelder's script, I like to think, had somewhat of a story. And they went, yeah, but we got a lot of guest stars. So we're going to cut out that second act of your story and just fill it with guest appearances. That's just what it comes across like anyway, because there was a story there. And then there was just no story for like another fucking 15 minutes. Correct. But they arrive at the Buckingham Payless Motel and mm. have demands some free maps for saving their ass in Nam and for giving... <laughs> and for, sh- <laughs> for sharing our prostitutes with you, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> and I want no dry British wit. And he gets it in return. Yes. Uh, Grandpa then is calling for Edwina. This is also very good. Was all, the, all the yes, yes, yes. Was I a gentle, caring lover? Oh, sorry for wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> the family then leave him behind. Don't touch the mini bar or you're dead. And um, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. What was the flag transition here? Was that a take on like I want to say Batman, but Batman it looked, looked like British. Batman. Yeah, odd. 
but they see JK Rowling. It's Rowling, right? Not Rowling. Rowling. I think it's Rowling. Rowling. That's what I've always thought anyway. Look, it's JK Rowling, author of the Harry Potter books. You've turned a generation of kids onto reading. Thank you, young muggle. Can you tell me what happens at the end of the series? He grows up and marries you. Is that what you want to hear? Yes. Now, on the bus, now you go to Judy Dench's Fish and Chips, and she doesn't seem like a very nice person, does she? Not a very nice she, boss. <laughs> she does not. Slapping around the squeaky voice teen. I'll mum you. <laughs> it's now completely free of what, by the way? Oh, mad fish disease? Yes, a take on mad cow disease. The one mm. reason Nicola's not allowed to donate blood in Australia because she was in England during the mad cow disease. Oh, good guy. Hero. Yeah. They won't let Nicola donate any blood. We're now at Harrod's department store where they make keys, apparently. And Homer <laughs> says he's been on his best behavior. You know, much as you punch three people in the street and he talks about soccer. He has no idea what he's talking about, though. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of our listeners were impressed that he mentioned gigs, though. See, that's the kind of thing where they're just like, that felt like a joke for us. Yes. Because a lot of American viewers would have no idea who this soccer player is. Who Ryan Giggs was. No. Yeah. Apparently, Giggsy was very happy about that. Yeah, yeah. He, he was like, show. oh, I got Mitchell on The Simpsons. That's pretty cool, yeah. And then Bart and Lisa get candy from, I want to say, the Wonka guy. The the Wonka store owner from Willy Wonka, don't you reckon? From, from the Gene Wilder movie, do you think? Yeah. You know the guy that's, that sings yeah, yeah, the song, yeah, yeah. the Candyman? Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that one, but... Um, the one that yeah. sings Candyman. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Looks like him, but they go on a sugar high binge. They go to Carnaby Street, get some new clothes. I actually yeah. really enjoyed this. It was fine. It's a little late with the sort of the train spotting reference with you know Iggy Pop's Lust for Life playing, but you know I'll pay it. But late wasn't wasn't train spotting like ninety nine two thousand? Train spotting was like nineteen ninety six. Was it really that early? Oh, yeah, shit, I thought it was a lot later than that. Okay, there you go. Marge and Homer are looking for. Like, I guess if they're writing this, though, they're thinking, what are the most popular British movies to come out of that have, that have hit America since? I'm surprised that I'm really surprised they didn't do an Austin Powers reference here. Mm. Well, maybe that's what the the uh, the flag, like the thing flash. Was. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe because they did that a lot of that kind of stuff in Austin Powers, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Marge and Homer are looking for the kids on the London Eye. They said, "Have you have you you've been to England? But was London Eye there when you last went there? No, no, and I've I haven't been in." I can't remember the last time I was in England. May was I born? In the, in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Went to Harrods a bit. I always liked going to Harrods. I always felt very sort of, cause felt very, oh, this is an exciting event. Because, you know, <laughs> it had everything under one roof. And it was very posh. So is it like the Maya of England? Bit more upmarket. I mean, does, does Australia really have sort of like, remember George's in Melbourne? I do not, know. Okay. George's was like just a, a single department store. Yep. Not like Maya, which had outlets everywhere. George's just was just one place, and it was like a fancy boutique and all that kind of stuff. Kind of like a like rich man's Harris scarf? A very rich man's Harris scarf. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, well, the building still exists, but I think it's been turned into like um, uh, hot desk offices or something like that. But uh, no, no, Harrods was like the, the, ver- the fancy department store. Yep. So Homer and Marge are on the London Eye looking for the kids. They see Big Ben, Piccadilly Circus, Jimmy Page... One of the biggest thieves of American black music who ever walked the earth. Is he, though? Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> According uh, to Homer, he is. If you're going to make that claim, you'd probably talk about someone more like Keith Richards. Yeah, true. I mean, the, the Stones and roll. Pinch, yeah. pinch the blues more than Zeppelin did. I like the the Rolling Stones and Beatles reference we get a little bit later as well. True. <laughs> Homer sees the kids, so they eject off the London Eye like, like Bond, again, mm. with his various vehicles. This one turns into a... It's like a boat of some kind. Then we get Lord Darth Wedge, as you said, and and his pal, and they, can, they make a bet on the kids who are now laying in the gutter 
or coming down from their binge. sugar high. Yes. Yeah, and they bet they can teach them proper manners. Homer arrives. He basically says to the kids, you know, he says to the guys, these are my kids. You can't do this. You're not going to be better than my children. Takes them away. Then we randomly get them kissing. I know you said you thought it was funny, but I was like, what is happening? I, I didn't think the kiss was especially funny, but I, I just like their reaction. Hmm, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I just like when you sort of take the piss out of the stiff upper lip kind of thing. Now in the West End, and there's various shows on, including Urkel is a Fellow, Joe Millionaire in the Cherry Orchid at the Apollo Theatre, and Sir Ian McKellen is in what, Mr. Davis? He's in Macbeth, and now it's time for one of Guy's rants. Rants, (laughs) Because it's a little bugbear that I've got. There's no capital B in Macbeth, man. Macbeth is all capital M, then all lowercase. You don't uppercase the B in Macbeth. I wonder why they did that then. I don't know. It made me so angry. Macbeth's just not a British thing. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> but you're not allowed to say it either. You're not allowed to say Apparently the title not, no. Macbeth. You call it the Scottish play because actors are idiots. <laughs> They're a very superstitious type. You can't say good luck. You've got to say break a leg. You can't say Macbeth. You've got to say the Scottish play. I've written here Joel Cohen apparently directing the tragedy of Macbeth. That is correct. It came out in 2021. I did not know this. Whoa, it yeah. did terribly at the box office. <laughs> it was a bit of a bit of an art house release. Okay, uh, $472,000. Yeah. Oh, well, I think it was released to Apple TV as well. Yeah, that's where, time, that's where they're making uh, them. So how do they judge box office takings anymore? Because the records aren't going to be reflective of how it really is anymore for this era. Not really. I think you've got to have a sort of an asterisk next to things. Although yeah. uh, Spider-Man No Way Home has apparently it's overtaken Avatar. As but but did that get released digitally on any platform? No, no. That's it's, the thing. That's, that's all cinema. That's all theatrical box. Yeah, office. yes. But I'm talking about the ones that came out in like 2020, oh, 2021. Okay. The ones that would have been theatrically released. The oh, ones you're talking were, about box office takings, not just theatrical, but also VOD. Or, yeah, like like Bill and Ted's third movie, mm, for example. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting one. I'm not sure how that would play out. Yeah, I'm not too sure. But yeah, but definitely. I mean, Spider Man. What is it? No Way Home? That's the third one, right? I still haven't seen it. Nor have I, actually. But no. everyone else has because it's yeah. made close to a billion dollars. And, I, and I was, the guys at work were telling me, do you know the spoiler? And I said, no. They're like, oh, how have you not known the spoiler? And I was like, well, don't tell me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, so apparently there's a something big happens in the movie, which I don't know about. If you know about it, don't tell me. If it's what I think it is, it's, I don't think it's that big. Okay. Well, what do you think of Sir, Sir Ian McCallan's performance here? I thought it was just fine. As I said, he literally phoned it in. He delivered this performance mm. over the phone, just as J.K. Rowling did. But, you know, he brought that um, lovely bit of early 2000s Ian McKellen kind of thing. A bit of his bit of his Gandalf in there. It's like, you're not supposed to say that. He seems <laughs> so, like a really nice he seems like a really nice guy, but it's also the kind of guy that's just like, I really don't want to disappoint him. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, yeah. I'd be, God, I'd be terrified if I had to act with Ian McKellen. <laughs> And I always, I always enjoy uh, watching those behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings uh, supplements that come with the, yeah, the box yeah. sets and all that. And it seems like all the cars really you know, came to love one another and dig each other and all that. But uh, yeah, you get the feeling that some would be a bit intimidated by Ian McKellen. That's justifiably so. Sir Ian McKellen, you're my favourite Shakespearean actor. Thank you, my dear. Please take these free tickets to my play. What? What play? We thespians believe it's bad luck to mention the name of this particular play out loud. You mean Macbeth? Quiet, you blundering fool! You'll curse us all! What, by saying Macbeth? 
Stop saying it! Saying what? Macbeth! Ah, now I've said it. Oh, this is cool. Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth! Bart, stop saying Macbeth! Mom, you said Macbeth. Mr. Macbeth, I'm really sorry. That's quite all right. You didn't know. Now, if you'd excuse me, I have a performance to give. Good luck! It's bad luck to say that, too! <gasps> then they get a car from Ertz Rent-A-Car. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> very funny, yeah. Um, and Homer says, no, this trip's been very uneventful. And then they get stuck in a roundabout. Now, I watched mm. this, right? I showed this to Nicola as well. Yes. We both don't understand how this can possibly happen. It doesn't make any sense. They don't have... I guess they didn't have roundabouts or they won't be thinking in the, in the US. But I know there are some fucked up roundabouts in the UK, but as Nicola explained to me and as I, I knew as already, because I've driven in the UK, when it's a three-lane roundabout, right? Mm. If you arrive in the left lane and enter in the left lane, then you will, that lane runs around to the first exit. And okay. the, the middle lane, when you've entered at that point, would then become the outside lane, which then goes to the second exit. Oh, and then the okay. third one becomes the left lane and goes to the third exit, right? And vice versa. So, so, it, it's, so it's pretty difficult to get trapped on a roundabout. You can't get trapped on a roundabout. It just can't happen. And if you watch the the the, the animation of this, it's like the same cars are going around and around and around and around. I'm like, that's not how these roundabouts work. I'm assuming this would have been funny to an American audience who don't understand the concept of a roundabout, but I'm watching so, this going, this doesn't make sense. So do they not have roundabouts in the US? Uh, US I, listeners, let us know. I'm assuming they... I'm, I think they do now, but they, maybe they weren't a big thing. I know they introduced them in the... 90s in Canada, I think I read somewhere, okay. but well, that's but, Canada. But the 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 concept of being trapped in a three lane roundabout can't possibly happen unless you're changing lanes because when you go around, the lane enters a, 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 a becomes an exit. So you have to literally indicate to the right lane. You can't just go around and around and around because mm. that's not how the lanes work. Well, there we go, Dando. We've both got uh, things in this episode that rubbed us the wrong way. Me with Macbeth, you with roundabouts. I wouldn't even say rubbed me the wrong way. I was just like. I don't know, man. You seem pretty pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so th- th- as a result of this, he drives uh, straight up into Buckingham Palace through the doors and re-ends the Queen's uh, carriage. Don't worry, you can buff that out. And then t- tells the Queen, to get back. Look, listen, lady, get back in your overturned car and let the men handle this. <laughs> and of the Your Majesty. Whoosh! And gets beaten up for it, and then there's a change of the guard. Beat, yeah. <laughs> Not just beaten up by one cohort of guards, but yes, time for the change of the guard. And <laughs> yes, we then get the various newspaper headlines, which I thought were great. I'll read them out here: The Times of London, Yank Bangs Queen, Old Bean, The Mirror, Simpo to UK, I'll Kill You All, and <laughs> The Sun, Yankee Doodle Randy, Topples Homer on page three. I just love that you've got the influence of Rupert Murdoch on English papers by turning. Homer Simpson into Simpo although <laughs> if it wasn't a genuinely Australian thing they'd call him Simo they would indeed so Homer's now in court and he's being charged with uh, damaging the royal coach and having several putting several dents in the royal horse then says that the queen the initials HRH don't stand for her royal highness what do they stand for apparently Henrietta H. Hippo. <laughs> Which I read from various UK listeners they thought was like the highlight of the episode. <laughs> A lot of anti-royalists. Your Honour, I'm completely disappointed my wife. That's punishment enough. You understand these things? You're a grandmother. I'm a man. Oh, and a very manly one, if I may say so, my lord. If I might say a word. 
I haven't had an easy life. I've seen my country ravaged by war, my family torn by tragedy, and then, as I was innocently making my way to the shops to buy light bulbs, I was blindsided by this great lumbering brute. Boy, she's good. If she were a hundred years younger and I were a hundred years older... <laughs> if there is any love left in you for me, destroy him! America rules! Our Beatles are way better than your precious Rolling Stones! Then we get various news headlines again. The Sun, Judge goes medieval on Simpsons' ass. The Mirror, Wacko Jacko to Blimpo Simpo, sell me your bones. <laughs> <laughs> and the Daily Mail, Bart and Prince Harry out of control. They are then giving a tour of the prison, which is the Tower of London. That's where Homer is staying. Mm-hmm. And Bart encourages them, doesn't he? Poke him with a sick. Yeah, yeah. You know, plays it up so that the people, not, not even for money, just for shits and giggles, really. Oh, yeah. And Marge, so I've got, Marge is apologizing for all the nagging on this trip. What? How in any way is this Marge's fault? Uh, yes. Like Marge is like, you know, I, I was constantly nagging you to the point where, you know, you, you just didn't know what nag was what. Was what. And I'm like, no. What? Why, is, no. why are they writing the character of Marge to be apologizing for Homer's actions? Anyway, enough about that. But Homer says, you know, if I die, don't buy any videotapes in England. They won't work in the VCRs, which <laughs> is funny because that actually is true. And it's yeah, still the, true. The whole um, NTSC, NTSC versus PAL thing. Yeah. yeah. Fucked me over a long time ago when I bought a bunch of VHS tapes off eBay of wrestling ones that I always wanted uh. when I was a kid. I went to play him and nope, no can do. I remember back in the day when I was buying VCRs, it's like, now this plays both NTSC and PAL, right? Macrovision <laughs> or whatever it was, yeah. Yeah, and if you got one that, it's like that whole thing, get you a man who can do both. Get you a player <laughs> that can do both, play both types. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Homer then prays to God, the God of England. We'll spell our, col- our word colour with you and then <laughs> hang shit on the metric system. In my opinion, metric system, much better. Oh, Absolutely. All due respect to our American friends, get with the rest of the planet. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, kilometres make sense. Yeah. You know, metres, kilometres. Yep. Centimetres, metres, kilometres. It's great as opposed to a mile. It's like, well, that's three-eighths of a donkey's tail or something. I don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> it's like, eh. I think it's 1.6 kilometres to a mile. Is that right? What's that again? Sorry. I think it's 1.6K to every mile. Something like that, yes. Yeah. The only time that I will disregard the metric system is when ordering a quarter pounder. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our friends in Pop Fiction had it right. They, yeah, so he hangs on the metric system, says he can't do it. Then the family have somehow found themselves into the Tower of London. They're just outside the window. And they said they found a secret tunnel that was once mm. used by Sir Walter Rayleigh. Rayleigh, yes. yep. Hmm. Who he, was? He, he was, well, a bit of a nobleman. Best known, and this story may not be 100% true, um, he was so enamoured of the royals that he put down his coat so uh, over a puddle so uh, the Queen at the time, Queen Elizabeth I, I believe, would not have to walk in a puddle. Wow, we. She could have walked around the puddle. But, you know, Walter Raleigh, history's most notable suck-up. <laughs> also, pretty good explorer, all that kind of shit. They're practicing putting Homer's head on a pike, so it's time he needs to get out of there. Someone to push the brick behind the fire. Put the fire out first. <laughs> then says goodbye to the sparkly elves. So he's actually obviously lost his mind. Mm-hmm. He then uh, realizes that the tunnel has come out in the worst. Or they realize that the tunnel comes out in the worst possible place. Homer's walking through. Boy, a Krispy Kreme would absolutely clean up down here. 
Have you ever been in a moment where you've just gone, man, if you had this business in this location, you would dominate? Have you ever had one of those moments <laughs> where like, you, if you just had the cash to start this business, you know you'd make a fortune? I'm sure I have, but nothing is really leaping out at me right now. I, plus, I think all my business ideas are like 20 years too old. Mm. I mean, I'm still, I'm the guy who was like, you know, if I'd had a bit of money back in the day, what I really would have liked to earn would be the wonderful holy trinity of video store, bookshop, video store, secondhand bookshop, and pizza joint. That you would know. have been good in 1993 for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now all those things, well, I mean, people still eat pizza, but, you know, <laughs> otherwise Amazon swallowed everything, swallowed everything else up. So I've got this theory that every time I've been to England, it may have changed since I've last been, it's been like five years, but every time I go to England, Nick, when we're driving in the car, Nicola can't find anywhere to get coffee or tea. Oh. Drive through coffee or drive through tea in England would dominate and put it in England. Man, the fucking money you'd make. Well, take a little of that Patreon money and uh, start investing in <laughs> Bean Squeeze Franchises UK. I should do it, yeah. I'm sure there's various locations like that now. Cause it just Come get your bean squeezed. It's too obvious for it not to be there now. But I just thought at the time, I remember like a decade ago when I was there, like 2011, I'm like, where's the, where's the drive through coffee places? Why are they not here? <laughs> But Homer's coming out of which, uh, out of the uh, the tunnel, and which room is he in, Mister Davis? He's in the Queen's boudoir. Mm, he is, which is fit for a duke or even an earl. Earl. <laughs> I do like the Queen rocking up with a midnight snack sandwich that is worthy of Homer himself. Please, Your Majesty. I know that I, like many other Americans, have behaved like a total buffoon, but we Americans are England's children. I know we don't call as often as we should, and we aren't as well-behaved as our goody-two-shoes brother Canada, who, by the way, has never had a girlfriend. I'm just saying. But please, find it in your jewel-encrusted heart to forgive me. Cut to them at the airport. The Queen has allowed them to go home in exchange for taking Madonna back to America. Nice little <laughs> jab there at Madonna. Ah, I love Madonna's English phase. Yeah, I know, right? They yeah. said it. Actually, nicknamed herself Madge. It's like, Did she really? Yeah, it's like, yeah. come on, come on, Madonna. They send her to Atlanta. Then we get the story has returned. Edwina arrives. <laughs> and Ed, Ed, again here, Edwina, but, um, grand, uh, Grandpa says, I'm sorry I never bothered contacting you all these years. She's like, oh, you've got nothing to apologize for. I'm like, um, kind of <laughs> does. <laughs> it's like, he kind of did. But anyway, they then reveal Abby, Grandpa's daughter who looks very much like homer and here again he realizes that's uh that's his daughter and he just bails on her I'm like you're a shit person grandpa what are you doing yes if you're gonna if you're gonna take issue or as our english friends say take umbrage with um with any of abe's behavior yeah splitting on on this delightful girl abby uh is yeah pretty uncool <laughs> i will say though i did enjoy dan having a lot of fun with the abby voice Mummy, he's everything you said he was. Lady, you're gorgeous. You make Dame Edna look like a dude. Why, thank you. You're all right, love. I feel like there was a story they could have had there, but they replaced the story with guest appearances, which I guess is fine because we're now in the era of we need reasons for people to tune in. But I think yes. The Simpsons going to England was reason enough. I think Obviously, so. Because the Simpsons going to Australia episode doesn't have guest appearances, does it? I don't believe it does. Because no. they didn't have Paul Hogan doing the knifey spoon or anything. They, they just did parodies mm. and jokes. But yeah. it wasn't filled with, here's another guest star, here's another guest star, here's another guest star. It was just the Simpsons were in Australia, taking the mickey out of the culture. I think that's what they needed to apply here. 
I understand why they wanted to get all the guest stars because it was just, we have the power now to get all these guest stars, so why wouldn't mm. we? But if you're going to get them, ease them into a story. Yes. What did we learn, Palmer? All right, what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? That uh, the roundabouts... <laughs> well, actually, I learned it more from our discussion of this episode than the actual episode itself. Uh, but roundabouts in the UK are not as difficult as they appear to be. No, they so there's a, there's a couple that are a bit confusing, but the, the basic three-lane roundabout is simple yeah. as anything. Well, that's the thing. There's one in Melbourne at the top of Elizabeth Street yep. near the... It might be the, near the Royal Children's Hospital or one of the hospitals around there. Fucking hook turns are way more confusing than, than oh, roundabouts. Yeah. It's a roundabout that's not even just a lovely sort of round roundabout shape. It's like a, a rhombus. <laughs> um, and <laughs> getting on that rhombus. one, I'm always terrified. It's like, oh man, I'm going to end up, you know, in a, you know, in another suburb. I always feel like I'm going to be t-boned by a tram when I'm doing a hook turn. It just yeah. feels so unnatural to be sitting in the middle of an intersection. Indeed, yes. I, but I learned that I really, really want an R2-D2 solo album. Oh, yeah. Slapping that bass. <laughs> Slapping the bass. Because I, I wrote that and I thought, the funny thing is, that sounds like something that could have come out in like 1978. Hey, it's the oh, droids yeah. from Star Wars with their own solo album. Like, it totally could have happened. <laughs> Just a cantina album. Yeah, people, yeah. Totally, people would have ate that shit up. I was a little boy and I ate that shit up. From this day forward, your names will be... All right, it is now time for Guy Davis's new name challenge for the Regina Monologues. What do we got this week, Mr. Davis? Actually, before we do that, we should probably run through the current leaderboard. Does that sound like a plan? Go right ahead. All right. In third position, we have Fergus Jeffs on two points. In mm. second position, we have a tie between D.L. Gorman and Garod Harrowhill. And Luke McKay, you've done it again, is on seven points in first position. Nice. All right, let's go with uh, one point. And that one point goes to Kenny Gadd. Kenny Gadd. What's he got? Kenny Gadd gave us oaf with his head. That's great. Well, That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. I thought that was not bad at all. Two points. Now, the timing of this one's a little off because mm-hmm. what this is referring to was a little later on down the line, but I kind of like it and I think it works, especially in 2022. It's from Philip Hawkins. It's two points for... The Great British Takeoff. Mm, yep, I like that. It works, doesn't it? Yes. And three points go to Garrod Harrowhill. Garrod is now equal first with Luke McKay. What has Garrod got for us? It's simple. It's effective. It just works. Full Britannia. Thing is, Garrod's like, all right, I'm going to take a season off, guys, but watch out, I'm back. Watch it. <laughs> you know. He- He's been doing the thing like in Rocky Four. He's been running up and down mountains and like lifting uh, logs and all that. And he's just come back and he's completely ripped, completely, you know, hustle mindset. Garoja's here to show you all what for. So the challenge is on, people. If you want to uh, do well in the Guy Davis New Name Challenge, uh, first of all, send me some money via PayPal. No, 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 no. Um, just do better than Garoja Harrahill. Yeah, read Garoja's name and then try and beat that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and that's... No disrespect to, you know, some of our other fine challenges in the New Names Challenge because there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, pretty good competitors in there. You know what I find? I, would, I reckon it'd be interesting, right, if you didn't check it and I just wrote all the names out for you and then sent them through, whether you just, in your mind, subconsciously think Garodes are better than other people's because mm. it's Garode. Look, it's, a, it's, a, it's certainly a possibility. I don't know my own mind. We should, do, we should do it next week. I should just get all the names, send them through, and then you pick one, and then you'll be like, 
And if Garou wins that one again, then we know Garou's just amazing. <laughs> Let's do it blind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. All right. So the current leaderboard now is Fergus Jeffs and Phil Hawkins both on two. DL Gorman in second position on four. And Luke McKay and Garoud on equal points seven. Uh, in first position. All right, so that is the Guy Davis New Name Championship. Don't forget to go to be a patron if you want to be a part of it, where at the end of the season, the winner gets a cash prize. But for now, Mr. Davis, it is time for some mailbag. Huzzah! Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh! All right, first question here comes from Ian Astley. Ian says, favorite British band, actor, film, and TV show? Wow, wait, four questions in one, Ian. Good God. Favorite British band? Well, I, I, I take the Beatles out of it. Favourite British band. Do we have to? What do you mean? Well, why not? If the Beatles are your favourite oh, British the, band. The, the Beatles are the obvious one. Is there any other other British bands that I like? Well, Stones. Yeah, see, I've, I, I like the Stones. I went through a phase in my teens where I loved the Stones, but now I listen to it and go, like three or four songs in, I'm just like, eh, it's all it's kind of the same. Mm. Um, well, you go with your favourite British actor. That's a really tough one, actually. Um... I am very partial you like, to you like, Rafe, Rafe what, Fiennes. What about Michael Caine? Oh, yeah, of course, Michael Caine. Um, actually, no, no, no. I take it all back. Mm-hmm. You know who my favourite is? Mm-hmm. The late, great Bob Hoskins. Okay. I've been thinking about this a bit lately because uh, I was mentioning on Twitter that, you know, you, Twitter is a place of dispute and name-calling and all manner of uh, nonsense. But, you know, with um, when you've got your film Twitter buddies, if you just say, you know who's good? Bob Hoskins and everyone just shuts up for a minute and goes you know what he is really good he's good in this and he's good in that and he's great in that and who framed Roger Rabbit and Mona Lisa and all Doesn't this get other the credit, stuff yeah. yeah so yeah Bob Hoskins the man alright British bands I mean I was big on Oasis as well when I was a teenager but I've sort of trailed off from Oasis now um, mm. a, ba- a, band that, a band that I really liked um, was I liked well, one of the albums anyway was Baby Shambles which was Pete Doherty's band oh yeah I yeah I really like Baby Shambles. I was very partial to a bit of 90s Britpop. I mean, you had the big ones like Oasis and Blur. I think I preferred yeah. Blur, but some of the other bands are like Sleeper. Cranberries are Irish, aren't they? Cranberries are Irish, yeah. I believe. And the core, I always loved the cores when I was younger too. I know they're Irish as well, but yeah. yeah. Actually, there's a musician that I need to make sure I mention here, Mark Bolan from T-Rex. One oh, of, my, of course. One of my idols. I mean, John Lennon from Beatles, obviously, but like Mark Bolan is like second for me under John Lennon. I fucking love Mark Bolan. All right, next question here comes from Reese Roberts. So, if you could have a British actor cameo oh, on The oh, Simpsons... by the way, sorry, just to rewind quickly. They asked yeah. about TV shows as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I won't say it's my all-time favourite, but a British show that I really dig is called Ultraviolet. It only mm-hmm. did one season. I think it was in the late 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was basically a vampire hunting show. They did like six episodes, so you can knock it off in like three hours. But it is responsible for the, the YouTube clip with the best title ever because a very young Idris Elba is one of the vampire hunters and to get information he busts down (laughs) he busts into the apartment of this nonce let's say (laughs) and gives him a bit of grief uh and they've just taken the film clip for it on uh, on youtube and given it the headline string a bell uh roughs up a pedo and kicks a dog (laughs) i was hoping it was gonna say string a bell (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing and the minute i saw that scene in ultraviolet i'm like this guy's going to be fucking huge. Yeah. <laughs> He's really, really good. So, Ultraviolet, if you can find it, um, don't have it streaming anywhere, but uh, you can certainly buy the <laughs> the discs if people still buy discs. Reese Roberts says, if you could have a British actor cameo on The Simpsons, who would it be 
Oh, who would it be in a British episode? Okay, so I guess he's asking who would we have had in this episode. His would be Patrick Stewart, David Tennant, Joanna Lumley, and maybe Catherine Tate. And for a musical, it'd be Adele. I think Adele could be kind of funny because she's got that. She'd be really take the piss out of herself. Yes, and she's you know she's got that beautiful brassy singing voice, and then when you hear her talk, she's a bit. And I say this with all respect. On? Yeah, well, that's bit, Australian, she, but you know what I mean. Yeah, a little bit chavvy. Hi, hi, you're right. Yeah, right in. Yeah, like um, the song, did ya? But who would we have in? I would have liked to have. If they obviously he's passed now, like David Bowie. I think he'd be cool to have on The Simpsons. I think Gary Oldman could be fun. Definitely, I'm pretty sure hasn't he been on The Simpsons? Maybe, Has maybe he? not. Uh, Andrew JP, when you were growing up, did you mostly prefer British TV or American TV shows? I think my parents watched a lot of British shows. I think they, I think my parents' generation were raised on British shows, like some others do have them and on the buses and that kind of thing. But I was very much a Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, American-based kid shows kind of child. What about yourself? Yeah, I was very much an, um, an English... Oh, no, no, sorry, American... Uh, TV kind of uh, kind of guy growing up. Yeah, stuff like Doctor Who or the goodies. And I've got friends who are really into that kind of stuff to this day. And I'm like, yeah, I never really, never really got me for some reason. I was yep. never really that into it. I preferred things like Get Smart and the Brady Bunch and all that when I was a very little kid. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I, I, I dabbled a little more into British stuff as I got a bit older. But you my preferred form- to dream of Genie. Yes, my formative TV stuff was usually came from the US of A. Yes. Now, this is a controversial one. We'll do a couple more. Becky Manners says, Do you think British sweets are any better than American candy? I tried Hershey's chocolate ages ago and I really didn't like it. Would what, Would one get an insane sugar rush from Aussie sweets? Okay, so I'm going to say that chocolate in America, horrific. Didn't like it at all. <laughs> Did not like it at all. English chocolate, no taste to it at all. Nicola gets it. She swears, by oh, the Cadbury's better. So they, they make it different in Australia. It's either more or less cocoa to counteract the fact that it would melt in Australia. If so, it needs either less or more okay. cocoa. That's how they make it different. But I, I, I know it's purely because you're. It's what you're raised on. It's, it's the, the natural taste that you have in your mouth when you when you're growing yeah. up. So I eat English-based Cadbury or Nicola buys, or she gets it from the shop. It's specially imported. I don't like it. I say there's no point me eating this. I'm not enjoying it. I'm wasting. I'm wasting calories. Hmm. I think Australian chocolate is way better. I think it's sweeter. But I know English people will be like blasphemy. It's the English chocolate is the best chocolate. And I'm like, it's really not though. <laughs> well, I must confess, I don't think I've tried that much English chocolate or English sweeties. Nicola loves Galaxy chocolate, which is virtually our Dove chocolate. Oh, okay. I, I do remember like a few years ago when you could first start getting Hershey's uh, chocolate in Australia. Like some milk bars had it or supermarkets had it or whatever. I'm like, oh, Hershey's, I've heard so much about this. Fantastic. Went down, I was expecting like a Willy Wonka flavor explosion in my mouth and I was like this is a bit bland <laughs> this isn't sweet like chocolate um, so uh, yeah I was a bit disappointed but having said that I mean I have tried other American sweets and found them to be not bad at all I mean I don't mind milk duds I'm very big on milk duds yeah okay we got milk yeah. duds sent to us by the uh, glorious patrons over in Canada did Remember we, that? did we get milk duds they oh no! What were those caramel things they sent us? They milk duds, weren't they? They looked like a yellow box. I'm pretty sure they were milk duds, weren't they? No, I know Mitch ate milk duds on the show once, and maybe someone sent them earlier when Mitch was still doing the show. And it he may ate, well be, and I he ate them during the podcast, and it was fucking annoying <laughs> because they were so chewy. <laughs> Jesus, Mitch. Um, 
but yeah, milk duds I enjoyed very much. But uh, like a Hershey bar, for instance, I'm like, mm, man, no wonder you Americans are angry all the time. <laughs> All right, there's too many questions here to get through, but we will try and answer them on the actual Patreon page. So thanks for sending your questions in. Uh, actually, we'll do us one more question. So Harrison McClure, assuming both of you have visited the UK, what are the little things that you both liked about coming here? So you mentioned you liked going to the, the department store. And I'm pretty it's, sure that, isn't that where you, oh no, you were in Melbourne when you saw Star Wars. Is that right? Uh, you, did, you, did a, you did a double whammy with your dad. Is that Melbourne? No, that was London. That was London. Okay, it was, yes. It was Star Trek, the motion picture and the black hole. One of the best memories of your childhood, right? It was a very fond memory of my dad. Shout out to old Bobby. Cheers, Bobby. Uh, and things that I like, well, first of all, I just like Nicola being able to go back and visit her family. I just like also, seeing... Also, also Nicola in general. She's yes, a, yeah, yes. She's but a good I, English thing. I like going back just so Nicola gets a chance to see her family because she gave up everything just to live here with me, so I've got to be thankful for that. Hmm. What do I like about the UK? I like their Indian. It's very different to the Indian we have here. Not <laughs> You're the, talking not about the food, yes, not just the, the one person. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see Sachin Tendulkar in London. No, it was, <laughs> <laughs> no they, 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 their Indian is very different. That the meal. Um, they didn't do beef either. I was. I remember we were there. We we're just like Nicholas. Like, oh, we'll get beef. And they're like, we don't have beef. And I was like, of course, beef is a sacred animal over there. The sacred cow. Yeah, but we just like it, it's like the Indian restaurants in Australia realize all these motherfuckers eat is beef. So we're just gonna have to have some <laughs> beef meals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we do lamb like we do everywhere else, it's gonna go. The price is gonna be through the roof. Yeah. So that's what I like about England. Uh, the, the food, the people, the beer, and Nicola gets to see her family. But that is our review of the Regina Monologues. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's been a lot more fun reviewing the episode than it was watching it, in my opinion. It's always fun chatting to Mr. Davis. Don't forget, guys, to please continue to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the show. Uh, we haven't had many reviews come through for like a couple of months now on iTunes. So if you're out there and you've got the time and the ability to leave us a review on iTunes, that would be really appreciated. Uh, all reviews that get written, we will read out on the show. And if you just check us five stars as well, that'd be great. If you do send us a review somewhere else, screenshot it, send it through, and I'll read that out on the show as well. Because we do appreciate everyone who takes the time to show us that kind of support. Mm. Also, follow us on Twitter at FourFingerPod, at FourFingerDiscount on Instagram, and FourFingerDiscount on Facebook. Uh, next week we are going to be reviewing The Fat and the Furriest another episode that I know the title I'm pretty sure I probably know the episode but I can't quite remember so I'm going to leave it that way I'm going to go in fresh but uh, this has been the Regina Monologues thank you so much again for tuning in you guys are absolute champions for now Mr. Davis any final words for those incredible listeners out there only one smashing shh